Welcome to the Freedom Chaser Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, meet Ree Prasad. This is my second interview with her, and I'm super excited to bring her to your attention once again. She's with the Luxury Group at Option Realty, and last year she sold 50 commercial properties and 10 residential properties, which is super impressive, but it's not nearly as impressive as what she told me on the pre-show call. So we're going to jump into her story as a child going through college at the age of 16. So Ree, why don't you just give us the broad strokes of your educational career and then we'll just kind of dive deeper into it and have some fun yeah so i started college at 16. um i had tested out and when you're required to take a college entrance exam right so they know where to place you and everything i got a perfect on my exam which i'm really amazing at test taking um and so here i am a little 16 year old i'm walking into class and my first class ever in college is quantitative techniques. Um, and I'm like, I don't even know how to spell that, but okay. <laughs> so I walk in and I like distinctively remember this. It's a smaller um, room and the professor lists off like eight prerequisites. And she's like, well, if you don't have these then you don't belong here. And I'm 16, first class ever. And I like jump up and I'm like, I don't. I haven't taken any of these. Like, I'm just going to go. Definitely don't belong here. She's like, no, no, no. They told me about you. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> they lied. <laughs> so it's definitely interesting because I never actually thought that I would go to college, believe it or not. Yeah. I thought I would be a professional Indian dancer. I started dancing when I was two. And I got accepted to, like, the number one dance college when I was nine in India and so I thought I was just gonna be like this artsy little dancer and that was my life so I did not to go to college I actually loved school um, I'm like a total geek I love learning and then when I graduated I didn't know what I wanted to do because I was so young I look like a baby now I looked like a baby then I can only so, imagine. <laughs> I was like, who's going to hire me? It's like, not only that, but weren't you 13 when you started high school, you said too? Yeah. So you were skipping. You were just a high achiever from the very beginning. Like, let's go back to the very beginning, actually. I think we need to start back at the very beginning. How did Ree Prasad grow up? So you were accepted to a very prestigious dance school at the age of nine. Like, what progressed you to that? I mean, obviously, your parents had to be amazing. My dad's seven languages. He's a doctor. Um, my mom has finance degree and a computer science degree. She's really smart as well. Um, and my family, we're just, it's so funny. My sister's the brilliant one. She's a doctor. When she went to, I know, imagine that an Indian doctor. <laughs> when she went to school, she actually, in her sophomore year, the university asked her to write a biology textbook and said, we'll give you two helpers. Yeah. Like that's how brilliant my sister is. And I was the, you know, the dancer kid that was like, la -di -da -di -da. and my parents were like, oh shit, what are we going to do with this one? Oh, I just, I love the humility. 
like, oh, I got a perfect score on my exam, but my sister is the brilliant one, um, and I'm just a dancer. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God. It's like, I need to meet your family. Like, what's going on? What are you guys putting the food over there? You know what it is? I've thought about this quite a lot. The support system that Indian families have is, like, next level. Um, my mom would be right next to me, you know, doing homework and, like, asking me questions and... Um, they would, I posted something the other day. So when I was little until the longest time ever, we're treated like your job is to be good at whatever you do. We don't care what it is, but you put a hundred percent in and that's all we ask for. My dad, before he would go to the hospital every morning, would warm up my car. He would clear it off. He would go make fresh orange juice because I didn't like like orange juice out of a can before he went to the hospital at eight in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, so like, that's awesome. I wish my dad did that for me. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so the support system that you have from your family, you literally feel like you can't fail because they're always there. And so I think that's why like, my parents would actually sit me down because I thought I was a total idiot in like the brain category. And they would be like, you are actually smarter than your sister. Whatever you choose to do in your life, we will support you. If you want to be a dancer, you go be the best dancer ever. If you want to be a janitor, that better be the cleanest floors we've ever seen. <laughs> I love that. So you weren't kidding. They would support anything, but whatever you do, you have to be the absolute best you possibly can be. And I love that caveat because they didn't say you have to be the best on it, you have to be the best you can be, which is important. It is, because that would always be the conversations we had. My mom would be like, well, I know you're better than this. And so that that's different, right? It's not like you're better than her, you're better than, you know, whatever it is. She's like, you are better than this. And that puts a lot of responsibility back on you to be like, well, did I do my best? So... I think that's the Indian mindset of like growing up with a family. They're all involved in your business. I remember my sister would be like, let me see your, let me see your grades. And I was actually afraid of her more than I was of my parents. I was afraid she's going to yell at me. <laughs> wow. That's so funny. Um, I could totally relate. Like, especially when you said, you said you can do better. Right. So I say that often to my daughter all the time because I don't want to compare to anybody else because she's her. Right. So it's just like, hey, it's like I know your potential and, and this is not it. So I need you to work harder in order to achieve your goals, because if you don't work hard, you're not going to get anything in life. And it's it's making it an internal thing, because I think if you say that enough to somebody like you can do better than this, you can do better than this. And it's not pressure, but I mean, it's not a lack of pressure either. I think it's going to build up a foundation where they believe in themselves a little bit more. Because not only are you telling them you can do better, but you're encouraging them at the same time. And it's all interesting because it's about mindset. I'm a total type A personality. And I read a book last year that really changed my life. I know that sounds like super dramatic, but it really did. Because I set goals for myself that, you know, other people don't set for themselves, right? That are outside of the norm, but it's because that's what I want and that's my path. And culturally speaking, like women in my culture are wives, are mothers, and that's like the expected path. 
And so for me, my path that I want for myself as like an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman is to achieve more, do that. I'm on like two nonprofit boards. That's where my passion is. But when you're continually striving for higher goals, type A people have a tendency to always look at, well, I didn't meet that goal. We're so busy looking at that and feeling bad that we forget to like turn around and say, look at what I have actually achieved. This is far greater than what most people would have hoped for. And if I'm at 85% of what my goal was and my goal was astronomical, I should be proud of that accomplishment. So The Gap in the Game, it's like a phenomenal book. And the next generation that's coming, my little niece, um, she's like way smarter and way more amazing than I could ever imagine being. And so every night we've started this practice where on WhatsApp, I video chat her my three wins for the day. And it could literally be anything. I was like, I made it to the gym tonight at nine o'clock, even though I didn't want to, um, right? Like little things. The little and ones matter. Yes, and so she sends her three wins to me and the excitement that she gets in sharing those small wins with me are amazing. And now it rearranges your mindset to, I only see wins everywhere versus like thinking about, oh, I didn't get what I want or I didn't reach that goal. So you're continually winning. Absolutely. I could totally relate to what you said before, by the way, because um, you have these amazingly large scale goals, right? So anything short of that is failure. Even if you did amazing relative to everybody else, like um, we did another show where I was with some fear coach and we were talking about, what was it? Um, imposter syndrome. That's what it was. So it's just like, I never celebrated anything. Like I didn't celebrate anything at all. The whole ride up, um, you know, just flip a house, boom, $40,000. Who gives a shit? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? And taking that minute to pause and reflect and look back sometimes like, Hey, I did some cool stuff. It's like maybe I'm not where I want to be yet, but like, if you never take that time to reflect on what you have accomplished, I mean, there's really no point in doing it. Agreed. Right. Cause I think we're, we're such a hustler society and everyone's being told like, what are you working on? What's the next thing? What's your next goal? And that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal to reach for something more, but at the same time, are we continually ever evaluating? Like, am I content? Am I happy? Have I taken that moment to like, enjoy that win? Or am I just continually worried about what's next? And I think we like in real estate, that's what it is, right? It doesn't matter what closing you have today. It's about what you have in the pipeline for tomorrow. And people get so caught up in these, like numbers are phenomenal, but we get so caught up in all of those ridiculous things. That, like there are days where in the summer we work 12, 16 hours between showings, looking, paperwork, research, all of that, where like, did you actually enjoy the summer? Did you enjoy your life? Did you enjoy moments with your family? Cause I mean, who is enjoying this cold tundra of sunless hell? Exactly. I think that's like the big disconnect. Like a lot of people forget fulfillment, right? They just chase money forever. And you can make a ton of money 
But like they've proven study after study, you make 70 grand a year, anything above that isn't going to make you happier. And 70 grand a year in real estate is cake. Like if you're not making 70 grand a year, you're simply not doing the work. It's really that simple. <laughs> Anybody can do it. It's 10 houses a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's just also, I think we like forget to live. I do this all the time because I'm so goal oriented at times that I don't see anything else. And so starting this little practice with my niece helps me. I think it makes me so happy because if I like play you her uh, voice message to me, it is the cutest thing. She's 13 years old and she, she always ends it with like, oh, I'm so proud of you and I love you so much and I miss you and I can't wait to see you. And like that moment of I made it to the gym at nine o'clock at night, she's so proud of me. I can't, that's more fulfilling than some of whatever achievements that I have. So I think like little things like that help me reset my priorities and to like remind me to just to live. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what is the most important thing? It's the relationships that you form. I mean, nothing else even pales in comparison. It's not even, they're not even in the same spectrum, right? So yeah, I'm loving that. Like, I love the three things. Like, I'm probably going to institute that with my daughter, like, right away. It's like, tell me what you want today. What was great about today? And I'll do the same. And that's just a tremendous, tremendous thing. It is. And it's so cute because it shows them, like, they're my, both of my nieces are stunning. And it worries me. I feel like I should buy my sister and my brother-in-law shotguns to prepare them, um, but <laughs> I don't ever want them as little girls or as growing, as women who are growing up to be emphasizing that point because looks fade. So I always, whenever they tell me their wins for the day, I always emphasize like, I love how kind you were to that new girl at lunch. Like, I'm so proud of you for that. Or like, I love the way your brain works and the way that you think. Like that's fantastic and that's amazing because we as a society also as a whole, I think we emphasize looks and we emphasize certain things that fade and that aren't as necessarily important. And when we teach little girls and little boys, little gentlemen, as they grow up, like this is what's truly important. Your empathy, your heart, the person you are, the fact that you work so hard, like she was disappointed she got to be. And I was like, I love the fact that you worked so hard and you care so much and you've got to be like, that's fantastic. Next time you'll get an A, but like, I love the fact that, you know, you want more for yourself and that kind of like resets their brain. So I hope, I think it's a great practice and it, it kind of like, I learned so much from them. I think being little human beings for them being on the planet for such a short period of time, when you have these conversations with them, I get so much out of it. They teach me so much of like empathy and kindness and understanding and love. Like I'm astonished. Yeah. It's because as you get older, like that kind of gets beaten out of you by society. Right. So they have like this clear eyed view of the world. Everything is beautiful and marvelous and they don't have all the baggage yet. You know, like that comes later in life. That's so true. And it's so funny because like, sometimes we forget what our accomplishments are. Um, and talking about my dad, my dad's like an incredibly accomplished man who's ridiculously intelligent. 
and he's my biggest cheerleader on the face of this planet. Like when I call and talk to them, I always call my parents in between showings, like every day I bump them. My dad would be like, what did you do today? I'm like, well, I did, a, I showed rentals. And he's like, you show rentals? Like, that's amazing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, calm down. <laughs> I love that enthusiasm. You're showing rentals and you're pumping out commercial units. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's amazing. Uh, Right? And that just reminds me because I could do anything and my dad will be like, that is amazing. And so I think it like realigns me because I have like that younger generation that's so, that looks up to you and that gives you like that innocence. And then you have an older generation that's just so appreciative. And um, to my dad, he thinks I'm like a rock star. So how can you lose that life or how can you feel bad when you're surrounded by that positivity? No kidding. And I love that you just said your dad thinks that you're a rock star. Come on, Ree. Come on. You're definitely a rock star without question here. So don't be too humble. Um, <laughs> um, I love that he's so supportive. I, I, I kind of feel like I need to up my energy up now and just be like, all right, I'm just going to support everything my daughter does 130%. Um <laughs> Because, I mean, like you said, the support is probably amazing, like just being supported in whatever yeah. she wants to do. Like as long as it's not illegal and it's not something that is morally wrong, go for it. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? I say this all the time. I've had this conversation with my friends. Um, and I always say, like, I cannot fail. I literally cannot fail ever. And what I mean by that is... I'm probably gonna, I mess up every single day. There are moments where I'm like, well, that was stupid. Um, <laughs> continuously. Yep. I was like, uh-huh, okay. Um, but I know that I'm gonna learn from that lesson and I'm gonna pick myself up and I'm gonna figure it out. And so I know that at the end of the day, because life is like a full journey, I'm never going to fail. I'm going to figure it out. There have, there have been, I lost 5 million in sales in one week. Holy shit. What happened there? Um, so I had a client, I was negotiating, um, at one Chicago $2.8 million unit. That wasn't, yeah, it was a penthouse unit that wasn't even on the market. I was going to list my client's property for sale for uh, 1.75 and then I had a client who I sent her a unit in a building that she wanted to live in. She said it was too much. Let's continue looking. She went behind my back and then bought it with that agent and without telling me, right? Cause I kept asking like, there's nothing else. Do you want to go see this? Do you want to go see this? No, it's too much. I cried like a little bee. I can only imagine. Uh, and then the first client decided like she owns a business and she's like, you know what, Ree, I think I'm just going to stay here and, and see what happens. Um, cause her business was slowing down. I was, I've been working with this client for four years, four years. And so let me tell you, I ate anything I could get my hands on. Like if it wasn't nailed down, 
Well, that doesn't surprise me after our Wicker Park episode. You had all of the restaurants lined up and <laughs> you're talking about all the best things that all of them have, too. So I'm, <laughs> I, I believe it. Yeah, I was literally like, I'll just take the right hand side of the menu to go, please. <laughs> was it the handmade pasta or what, what, what in particular were you eating? <laughs> Uh, usually I was like, I'll take all of the desserts. I'm really interesting. So I want all of the appetizers and then I want all of the desserts and then I need to throw in one or two veggies that are definitely not healthy just so I feel like it's a balanced diet. So there was a lot of chocolate. And they were like, this is for your family. I'm like, uh-huh, all seven of my kids. <laughs> There are days like that, right? Where I literally sat there and think, I just lost five million in one week. Like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done wrong? Should I have managed my clients better? Their expectations, should I have communicated? And then I sat there and I was like, no, this is what's best for my client. She will always come to me because she knows that I've got her back. And then the other client, I knew she was a little flighty. I've been working with her and I knew she was in a very different situation and that is out of my control. So sometimes we have losses. We have some major losses that slap us in the face really hard. But the next day I was like, all right, now I know I've learned from these lessons. I'm going to pick myself up and it's all good. It's part of life. Exactly. Well, that's the mindset you need. Um, you need to basically, there's no such thing as failing, as you said. You make mistakes, but you correct the mistakes, right? It's it's a learning process. You make a mistake. You analyze what went wrong here. What can I do better next time? What should I avoid next time? And you repeat the cycle forever. And as long as you repeat the cycle forever, success is inevitable. It's going to come. No matter what your goals are, as long as you repeat that circle forever, there's no yeah. other destination except for where you want to go. Agreed. And I think that's like the issue. People get so sidelined. And I, I, I'm like a daily quote kind of person. So every morning on my Instagram, while I'm brushing my teeth, I look for like whatever resonates with me for that day, a quote that sets my mindset for the day. And then I post it. And that's literally... I keep it as my background on my phone to remind me for that day, like this is how I was feeling when I wake up, that's my motivation, um, and to keep going. And something really resonated with me was most people give up right before success comes. And so that's the truth. I'm like, all right, I just got kicked in the teeth, like with that deal that week. I can either, I'm going to eat my feelings, I'm going to have a pity, literal pity party, <laughs> and then I'm going to pick myself up and say, cool, let's go. I'm going to double what I lost and yeah. make it up. And like, that's literally all you can do. Yep. There's no problem that can't be solved. I mean, it's really that simple. There's no such thing as a problem that's not solvable. So... Like people that are afraid to do whatever their goals are, whatever they want to do in life, it's just like, just go out there and make some mistakes as you continue. You'll make less and less mistakes, and then you'll make more mistakes when you're trying new things, but you're going to just level up to the next level. And 
you'll make bigger and bigger mistakes and you'll have bigger and bigger problems actually it's like oh i'm getting sued now um <laughs> it's like this is terrible um but guess what that has a solution to find a good attorney um <laughs> and it's just it's part of the game you know unfortunately if you're doing high volume or if you're doing a lot of anything problems are going to come right so let's say for this podcast for example i make a lot of content eventually i'm going to have haters i don't have them yet but they're going to come and that's just a step in the right direction that means i am closer to where i want to be like the haters are great i can't wait hopefully somebody hates on me after watching this i want some haters <laughs> but you know i look at i just get creative in the mistakes i make i make like all sorts of new mistakes and i'm like huh so I had a handyman at my house the other day and I wanted to redo my kitchen and he didn't speak English. And I thought like I was explaining well, how I wanted my floating shelves and how I wanted it aligned. And so he put it literally right where the counter was. Cause I was trying to show him a lot, line it up with where this counter is, not to the left or to the right. And when he called me over and he was super proud and excited to show it to me, the only reaction I could have was, huh, okay. Oh, wow. Huh. What was, what did his face look like when you, when you gave, when you gave that reaction? Like it had to be like disbelief or shock and awe. What was it? It was, he was, he didn't understand because he was super excited and he was like, I thought you wanted to put your canisters on there and I go, yes. But if I want it, it's, the first shelf is that far off my counter. So I'm like, if I wanted to put something down, I would put it on the counter, right? <laughs> Sounds like a logical, logical um, thought processor. And so I, I have a hot temper. Like growing up, I have a crazy temper. You don't expect it from me, but I've grown up to a point where I literally just sat there and I, I just stared at the shelves for like a solid two minutes. And then I noticed him down my hallway staring at me, staring at my shelves. I could only imagine what your face looks like. <laughs> if he's standing at the end of the hall, just looking at you like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed because I was like, what are you going to do? You can't. Right? Like, this is on me. I should have yes. confirmed. But that's why I say, like, I don't make the same mistake again. I get creative. I make all sorts of new fucked up mistakes. <laughs> hey, if you're not making new fucked up mistakes, you're just not taking the next step. It's really that simple. Because if you make the same mistake over and over again, it's just a failure to learn, right? <laughs> exactly. And then I'm really proud of myself because before I would have probably, I've made like contractors cry before. I had a contract that I hired. Yeah, I need to hear this story. <laughs> oh, he was an ex-Marine. So when my parents um, retired, I wanted to give them a gift. So I paid to have all three of their bathrooms redone. So that way, like, it would be nice and spruced up. They're going to be home more. I wanted them to enjoy it. And I hired this guy to do the work. Um, and I went there and the tile was all sorts of messed up and it wasn't the tile that I chose. Um, and this is just a few years ago. So like 
first of all, it's my parents. I, I give you probably like half a million dollars worth of referrals a year. So if it's my parents, you're going to do it right. There's no discussion. Um, and people only see like the nice part of me, but I'm also like, I love negotiations and I love being the hardball. So I literally was like, not cool. And he tried to tell me that it was, um, this is what I chose. So I literally pulled it up and I was like, please show me which one it is that I chose. I was like, this is what's going to happen. All right. We're seeing aggressive Rena. I want to see more of this. Go ahead. Keep going. I was like, you are going to fix this. Don't care how much it costs. My parents are going out of town this day. You're going to send me picture updates because clearly I can't trust you to do this properly. So every day I want pictures. Um, and I might've said a few choice words cause he tried to like fight me on it. And I was like, I don't give a flying F. I was like, this is my mom. This is my dad. I was like, I don't give you this much business. And that's my name. If I'm referring you out, that is my name on the line. So you better do it right every single time or else. Why would I send, why would I send you out there? So he goes to my mom after like, I have a discussion cause a Cool, if you say you're wrong, I'm gonna fix it, fine. We all make mistakes, I'm okay with that. But the fact that you tried to argue with me, tell me that I made the wrong choices, and then like double down, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you full force. And so he goes to my mom, he's an ex-Marine, and he's like, where did she come from? You're so sweet. Like, I don't know, where, who is she? Like, you both are such nice people. My mom called. She's like, he's all teary-eyed. Oh, wow. And she's like, be nice to him. <laughs> What's funny is um, when you got into the story, like your tone shifted. It was like, sweet Re, and all of a sudden, this is serious Re. Don't fuck with this Re. Um, <laughs> It's like I sensed it, and, and you weren't even mad at me, so I can only imagine how he felt. Um. Yeah, like I, yeah, I feel bad. I had a really bad situation where a tenant tried to threaten me because they chose not to tell me that the heater wasn't working, the HVAC wasn't working, and so they waited until after hours and then they sent me the picture which is from the morning at 5 30 in the morning on a friday and you're sending it to me at six o'clock when all the hvac companies are closed so mm. i know what you're so, so they do. wanted you to pay the extra money huh but then they also wanted because of the rental laws in chicago they wanted to have money given back on rent and i was like i see exactly what you're doing and then I was like, this is what's going to happen. And. <laughs> uh, no nonsense. I'm so sweet. And I'm like, I will bend over back for my tenants. One of my tenants was like, you know, in the basement unit, we're having centipedes come in. So I had the entire exterior sprayed. And then I had the entire building sealed from the cracks. Um, so I'm like, I will literally bend over back to make sure my units are all like phenomenal. I will do everything in my power to make sure you're happy. But if you're trying to be deceptive when I'm like beyond kind, I'm not putting up with that.
Nor should you. Um. I firmly believe that this is a home. Anyone who's trusting you as a landlord and paying you money, that is their home and they have every right to have a lovely home. And so I take that responsibility very like strongly. Um, and most of my average tenants stay for like six years. I had a tenant when she moved out, literally I have this letter, I've kept it. Um, she thanked me because she was going through a really bad divorce. She had really bad credit score and she had full custody of her son. She was like, I'm going to work here. She went with this lovely letter and I was like, you know, I'm going to give her a chance, right? Like we've all made mistakes. We've all had hard times. And she lived there for six years and she wrote me this beautiful letter of like, thank you so much. You gave me a home when no one else would. You gave me a chance. Um, the only time anything broke there was the HVAC and that same day I replaced that and I was like, I'm just going to replace the air conditioning too because they're both old. And then I was like, I'm just going to replace the water heater just because like they're all at the same time. Let me just do it. And that's what I live for is when someone is like, thank you, you gave my son a home. You gave him stability. You gave me a chance. And the only reason I'm leaving is because I'm buying a house. I keep these letters and I cherish them because when we came, we came over to this country, my parents had $400 and two little girls. And people were generous beyond belief, I'm sure. People treated us with such kindness. And I really feel like the only reason I'm here and I have the opportunities that I have and that I've succeeded is because of those people, every single person that's added to my story and to my path. Absolutely. And like we said, it's all about the relationships, right? We don't go anywhere without the connections that we make with other people. Agreed. And then we are like so empowered that we have now the opportunity because I look at it as, I'm so fortunate where I am in life. Like I'm so grateful for everything. I'm so grateful for the family. I'm so grateful for my business. I feel like my life is so serendipitous. I've been at the right place at the right time with the right opportunities and stupid enough to say yes. Like I'll figure it out, right? Yes, yes. Stupid enough to say yes all the time. Always, I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Um, and so now I have a great opportunity to give that to someone else. And who knows, like that might be the thing that changes their life. Me giving her a place when no one else would changed her trajectory, right? Gave her son stability. I did something that was like nothing for me, right? It, small risk. And so that's how I kind of look at it. What people did for us because of that, where I'm at, maybe someone has, that kid's going to do something phenomenally amazing. And I had the slightest impact on his life. Yeah, I know small hinges swing big doors, right? I love that. <laughs> My buddy says it all the time. And it's just so true, really, because if you really think about it, like even from business, right? Usually when you're trying something new and it's not working, it's the small changes that do far more than the big changes do. That's true. I think uh, I, until last year, never really did any marketing it was all just client referrals. They would refer me out. And it's because I literally treated every client. I never thought about like what price range it is. I always tell my clients when they start working with me, 
I will show you 10 properties, I'll show you 100 properties. I will talk you out of properties because I'm not going to have the largest purchase of your life be an anchor around your neck. Right. I got to comment on that because it's one of those things that you see all the time because it must be something that Keller Williams or something is parroting. And it's just like, oh, marry the house, date the rate. And I'm just like, that is the worst fucking advice I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? Are you looking at the market right now? Like, (laughs) is anybody paying attention? Like, that is so terrible. It's like, hey, are you going to live in this house for at least more than five years? If the answer is no, do not buy a house right now, please, (laughs) please, please, please wait. And it's just like, I feel like it's so disingenuous if somebody's on the fence and they have a reason to be on the fence to push them over (laughs) by trying to trick them with some cute little rhyme. And it's just like, sorry, like if this is not a very long-term investment, I would recommend waiting at least until spring, possibly much later. And that's what I always tell my clients, like each individual person has a different need or requirement. So are you paying more for rent than what your final payment's going to be for more space and you know you're going to be there? Like you really have to assess. I can't tell you if it's the right time for you to buy or not, but I can tell you if we're looking at it as an investment, if you know you're going to move, then no. Like I have clients right now. Um, actually, I have a client who's actually one of my really, really good friends and we were looking at properties for like two years, right? And he's he's got very specific tastes. We walked into this unit in Roscoe Village um, and they were flying off the shelves. And this unit was a little fugly, it was a little funky. And it was like awkward. The second bedroom wasn't a bedroom. The kitchen, I know he loves to cook and it wasn't a kitchen. It wasn't like, it didn't flow right. And I didn't see his face light up. And so when he walked out, he's like, you know what? I just need to move. I'm tired of looking. Like, let's just put an offer. And I was like, no, I'm not putting an offer for you. Like, and I, I tell my clients that all the time. Um, if you don't love it, I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm not going to put you somewhere that you don't love. And we have this continuous discussion. And then when we finally went under contract for a place that he loved, um, we had like a new construction situation where he bought it's always tiles. I don't know why it's always tiles, but uh, he bought these like beautiful tiles that he wanted as his backsplash and he wanted staggered and not stacked. So we go in for the final walkthrough and they stack it and not stagger. Keep in mind, this is $2,000 worth of tiles. And so he's like a little upset. I look over at him and um, I was like, okay, you're not happy. I'm not happy. And I was like, do you trust me? He's like, yes. It's like, okay, so you trust that whatever I do next to negotiate to get you to your end goal, I have your permission. And he's like, yeah. I go, okay. So I literally called up the other agent. I was like, um, because they replied, they said they're only giving us a hundred bucks. What? Yeah. All right, so you, you gave him some angry re. I give, well, I knew because this, uh, this builder was like not fantastic throughout the entire process. And no one concluded attorney review and I didn't say anything. I saw that and I didn't say anything. I knew you had that. You had that in the back of your mind the whole time, didn't you? I did. Cause I was like, some bullshit's going to come up and he's going to try to pull something. Um, Cause the entire process was a fight. 
And so I just, it was a cash purchase. So I just called up the agent. I was like, Hey, we're canceling return earnest. We're not closing tomorrow morning. Cause that hundred dollars was a slap in the face. We've waited. You guys are like 45 days off of contract date. We've dealt with everything we've given it. My client's done a new property just came on the market. Peace. And my phone blew up. Oh yeah. And guess who got an overnight crew in there to take the tiles off and to stagger it and not stack it. So when we went back the next morning, my client was happy and he was like, I don't know. I don't ever want to be on the other end of a negotiation table with you. Cause you're a little scary. I'm like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm getting like, scared right now. Um, <laughs> What's amazing is like they made such a big deal about this and a hundred dollars to tile a bathroom. I mean, that's just absurd. Uh, like it's not even close. It's like, Oh, like actually staggered versus stacked is a huge difference. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's a massive difference. Like if you've ever, I mean, I know you've seen a floor that isn't staggered properly. It looks terrible. Um, <laughs> it ruins the whole aesthetic. It's like, Oh, so somebody doesn't know how to install the floor. Like, that's the first thing I would say. I'd be like, okay, so this is nice. Whoever rehabbed this house doesn't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> it's like, you got to stagger at least three towers, but preferably every row is different. So you can't catch a, a pattern anywhere. But I mean, it's, and also it's so easy to do because you could just cut the last row and use that to start the next row. I mean, contractors. It's, and that's what's infuriating because if you say like, I try to negotiate, I was like, here are the three options that we're willing to give you. You put money and then like after the closing, once you fix it, we'll give you those, we'll release those funds back to you or else you just pay for it to have someone else do it. Like we're being generous and it was already in the specs. Like I highlighted, screenshotted where it was in our spec list that we put the request in, that they, you know, they approved it, everything. So I'm, when you come back with a hundred dollars, that is such a slap in the face and such an insult where you're not even willing to work on it. And like, that's the thing because it is a relationship. I always look at it as the other agent and I, we have a relationship. I want us to have a good working relationship and it's nothing against that agent. But if my client comes out of this transaction unhappy and has to look at his kitchen every day, and that's what he thinks in his head, then that's somehow even minutely associated with me and my name. I am not having that. So well, that's why you get all the referrals then. It's like, who would ever work with anybody else after that experience? I'm serious. And it's also one of those things, they say that most people would reuse their realtor if they remembered who they were. So that's a way to make people remember who you are. Like you're making an experience. You're turning it into an event. It, and it is, right? Like I think we forget because we do it on a daily basis. This is our job day in and day out. We like understand it and it's so simple, but mo these people, most people, this is their first purchase and it is so exciting and like they're so happy and it's such a large amount of money. And for you to be blase about something is disrespectful to your client and to their experience. Right. And so I look at it as like, I get, honestly, I get just as excited as my clients do at every single closing because, um, I love it. They're so sweet and 
I feel like I'm living through their eyes and they become your friends. So I had a, I had a closing where we negotiated. We just closed in my, the owner of my brokerage had the listing and it was, it was listed at 575 and it's brand new construction. It's only one year old. Uh, and so the owner had to like sell and had to move out of state because her mom was ill. And my clients came in and they were like, Re, if we can get it for $5.50, we'd be happy. And I was like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get it for you for $5.15. And they were like, $5.15? I'm like, yes. And this is why. And so people don't realize when you're running comps, you can be selective. And if you don't know the area, you can just say, oh, okay, well, that's, within, that's within eight blocks. But... West of Ashland, values change. Yeah, especially right? in Chicago, right? It's just, <laughs> it's actually funny. When, when Sometimes when people send me comps, I'm like, bro, like, what is this? Like, when I look, like, the first thing I do is I'll just look at the bracket, right? Yeah. That is, I'll look back two years before I even look outside the bracket because those comps are by far the most important, especially when you're, like, in a niche area um like i had a listing in arcadia terrace and it's just like okay so when i go north it's just these comps aren't right <laughs> so it's just like i need to use only these comps and there's just there's nothing here so it's like here's what i could do it'll sell between x and y <laughs> so we'll have to list it on the high end but i'm not going to price it next to those comps because those are too low so we're going to have to be a little bit more conservative now because I don't have enough data to give you an accurate number. And it's just like, I feel like most agents, like they'd be afraid to say that. And it's just like, that's the truth. It's like, if you're throwing a dart at the wall, at least tell the seller what the truth is. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing too. Like, and also agents, if just because someone, I never, if a listing agent sends me comps, I don't even ever look at it. I don't that's care. Garbage. That's yeah. And you're hoping that I'm stupid enough and I'm mm -hmm. naive enough to just look at the numbers and say, okay. And exactly. I would never look at listing agent comps because I could make any property worth almost anything. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of, like, you could make a good argument. It's not that hard. It's, it's just, you know, you expand the parameters a little bit and all of a sudden you could come up with a vastly different number, especially in Chicago. Like, you just cross yeah. one street and all of a sudden it's worth $150,000 more. And it's just, you have to know the area. And if your buyers don't know, and this is their first transaction, right? So they were like, Reef, we can get it at $550, we'd be happy. And I was like, this is what's going to happen. I was like, we're going to go in at this price. They're going to come back at this. We're going to land here. It's going to be a process. And you would think like the owner of my brokerage, I'm going to be a little scared to go up against and be like, no, I don't buy your comps or your price, but we 575 listed. I got it at 515 plus 10K that the seller paid towards um, our rate buy down. So essentially we got something that was listed for 575 for 505. Now those, and I always tell people like, I'm very honest about how I make my money. I'm like, I am 100% commission based, but I love what I do. My job is to protect you and that comes first. And so there is a difference. I left my commission on the table, but that's not what I care about. I care about that 
this, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do what's best for you because this is the largest purchase of your life. And that is what's important to me. So if I treat you like family and how I would protect and fight for my family and my best friends, then you become family. You become my friends. And my average client like are raving about me. They, whenever anyone's like, even if it's a rental, I had a client who I did a transaction with six years ago and she texted me. Hold on. I'm sorry. That's amazing. You're doing rentals. I do everything. Real estate. I am there. I was trying to imitate your dad there. I'm sorry. I don't know if you caught that. I know. I know. Okay. 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 Sorry. I'm sorry. Like that's how I look at it. I did a transaction seven years ago. They send me pictures of like, we updated this, we did that. And they were like, do you do Rockford? We have a, we have a friend who's buying in Rockford. Like, you remember did me you from drive, seven years ago? Did you drive out to Rockford? I will for a client. If it's a referral, I will go. That's great. I don't think. From Wicker Park. That's got to be at least an hour and a half. It might be pushing yeah. two. Yeah. So I'm actually going. To Rockford. Oh, you are. That's amazing. Rockford is beautiful. Look for all the bums. They're all over the place. You can't miss them. Half the houses are dilapidated. You're driving two hours away for something works, maybe 125, 175. 75. Okay, even less. Great. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is why you get the referral business, right? You're willing to drive to Rockford for almost, I mean, relatively to what else you're doing. It's, it's really insignificant. Like you are obviously so focused on the relationship. That's the only thing that matters. And that's honestly what it is because I follow up, but it's never like a, Oh, who, who do you have? Remember me? I'm a real estate agent. I'm a real estate agent. And it's not that at all. I remind them, I send them emails and videos of, hey, first year, I wanna make sure that you have your homeowner's exemption. You probably don't know about this, but this is where you go. This is the link. I do a video so they can see exactly how to do it. Um, I send them videos about like, hey, I know it's really cold. um, And so your heating costs are gonna go up, but Just a reminder, here are 10 tips that you can do to keep your heating costs down. And here are some programs that you should look into. So if you're a first-time homebuyer, you don't know how to do these things. And if I'm continually checking in with you every like three months and just giving you advice and always adding value and keeping that line of communication open, then I am your friend. I am the person that you trust. And of course you're going to refer me out. And I also look at it as like, I learned a lot of stuff the hard way that I didn't know um, buying my first property and like dealing with stuff that I don't want them to go through it. So if I can save them that hassle and give them that like advice and education, I'm helping them. And that's a great way to keep the lines of communication open instead of saying, I'm a realtor, I'm a realtor. Do you know anyone that needs to buy? Yeah, because you accomplish the same thing, except you don't look so desperate. Um, (laughs) 
like, I'm a realtor. I'm a realtor. That's like the, the thing I always hated the most. Everybody's just like, oh, call everybody you know and let them know you're a realtor. And it's just like, I would prefer to call people I don't know and let them know that I'm a realtor <laughs> because I don't want to bug people that already like me. Um, <laughs> I think I want to destroy the relationships I have. Now, I understand it's a great business building strategy. It's just not the one I'd like. I would much rather sell to people I don't know. Agreed. And it's, it's so funny too, because I'm a goofball. Like my personality, I'm such a ball. I can tell. <laughs> and when I'm doing like random things the other day, um, I did a, I did a winter cleaning video and I sent it to all my past clients. So I was like, just so you know, go through your closet. And if you haven't worn it the past two summers, it's time to let go. <laughs> Well, I bet you that got a ton of hits too. You should have thrown that on the social, did you? <laughs> I should, but I was literally like, do you see this pile? And I was like, I'm saying goodbye. You could have played like a violin, like a sad violin or something. Um. <laughs> 100%. And so my clients were like, and I texted it to them, right? So through my CRM, I can send text messages with videos. And they were all replying. They were like, not the dresses. That's awesome. That's a great way to get the clients engaged, right? It's I love it. Value, it's adding it's value. It's a little reminder and it's funny. And that's, I think people forget we're realtors, but we're people first most, right? There's what, 10,000 agents in Chicago? Uh, I think there's a lot more than that. I think there's like 40,000, something like that. Some ridiculous freaking number, yeah. So you can throw a stone and you can hit an agent. What makes you different from anyone else is you, can, you literally can't. So I say you could probably throw a stone and hit an agent. You probably will, actually, if you throw it far enough. Um, <laughs> they're everywhere. Just no, mo Most of them don't do anything, though. Exactly. But what sets you apart from those agents is like people forget, lean into your personality, lean into who you are. And that's what I say this all the time. I am not for everyone, whether it's like friends, family, clients, dating. I am not for everyone. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Like if you're my type of crazy and goofy, we're going to get along and we're going to have an amazing time together and we're going to connect and that's what matters. So if you accept that and lean into your personality, whether it's like asking clients to come to a softball game or, you know, talking about sports or whatever your personality is, lean into it because that's going to attract the people that are your people and your tribe. Not only that. But potentially more importantly, it will repel the people that are not connected to you. And one of the things a lot of people fail to realize is we get to choose who our clients are. Like if we're having a bunch of clients that we don't like, it's because we're the problem. We have some messaging issue or something along that lines where we're attracting the wrong type of person. So as you said, being genuine is so important because if you are genuine, you will attract people that are like you. The problem is that a lot of people are fake um, and they're trying to put on a facade of who they are, what they're doing, and they're not really doing it. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, and yeah, so I mean, genuity is so important. And yeah, I mean, you attract the people that you want to work with and they tend to be like you. So you tend to enjoy your time so much more.
Exactly. So I had a client who I just showed um, in the suburbs and they're like phenomenally sweet. And I honestly love first time home buyers. I, I love all my clients. Um, and so she texted me right during the, right before the holidays when we had that like deep freeze and she was like, Re, this market sucks. Nothing's hitting. No properties are hitting the market. I miss seeing you in our showings. And that made me smile. Because my clients are like, forget the home search process. We miss seeing you. Well, yeah, they didn't even care about finding the house. It's like, hey, we wanted to hang out again. Um, <laughs> so could, could you like find something to show us? Like, I don't even care if I want to buy it. We just want to see you again. And that's like, and that makes me genuinely grateful and like, in the summer when we're working those insane hours, I don't mind because I feel like I'm so happy because I have these great clients who I appreciate spending time with and I really do look at, look at them like they're friends. Um, and the fact that like I get text messages like that when I'm freezing to death in my house and I'm like, I can't wait to show your properties. It's a great way to motivate you, right? For sure. Wow, Reed. Well, this has been quite the ride. Um, we were supposed to talk about your amazing, illustrious <laughs> educational career, and it totally went in a different direction, but I'm cool with where it went. Um, I've had a lot of fun talking with you. Reed, if anybody listening wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way is to text me or call me or go to my website, reedsnod.com, and my phone number is 773-724-9130. Or email me, re at Right, there you have it. She's easy to get in touch with. She just gave you her personal phone number. So if you want to get in touch with Re, please do so. Re, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. Hopefully it was valuable to the audience. Um, <laughs> um, thank you for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and take massive action. Make your clients love you. And more importantly, attract the clients that you want to work with because you're building a career that you want to be fulfilled with. If you hate your life, you're not doing it right. So try to do it right and tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. Before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.